Welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, December 5th, 2019. My name is Jay Zawoski. I'm your host here on Lockdown Blackhawks. We are, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is game day. The Blackhawks face off against the Boston Bruins tonight at 6 p.m. in Boston. It's going to be a really big challenge. The Bruins are the best team in the National Hockey League by points, by winning percentage, however you want to chop it up. The Bruins are the best team in hockey, so it's going to be a hell of a test for the Blackhawks. But the good news is they're getting a little bit healthier. We'll get to that in a second, but first want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com is the email address. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My Twitter account is at jzawaski 670 Z-A-W-A-S-K-I is how you spell Zawaski, just like it sounds, not as hard as it seems. And there you can also follow the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The other podcast I do have been doing it for five years with James Neveau from NBC5. We released a long episode really late on Monday night, Tuesday morning, after the loss to the Blues. So it still holds up. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review both podcasts. It definitely does help. And don't forget, game day. Every game day, we go behind enemy lines, and we're going to do that with the Boston Bruins. You might want to... Grab a stiff drink before I run down those numbers for you because this is going to be a really tough matchup for the Hawks, but they're getting healthier. Dylan Strom looks like he's going to play. Drake Kajula made the trip with the team to Boston. He will not play against Boston, but he could play against New Jersey on Friday. Robin Leonard was back in net. He had some things to say. We'll get into that uh, next segment, but he's back. He's in the lineup. And the only bit of news that's a little bit concerning is that Olimata missed practice on Wednesday with the flu. So there's some sort of bug going around. Robin Leonard said he had food poisoning, so perhaps it's unrelated. But let's hope if Olimata does have the flu and not also food poisoning, that it's not going to be something that starts to go around the team. The other thing that happened on Wednesday in practice, Patrick Kane left practice. If you missed this, it wasn't great. Him and Zach Smith were sort of doing a one-on-one drill in front of the goal. Zach Smith turned, and when he spun, his elbow hit Patrick Kane in the face. Kane went down hard, stayed down for a few seconds, uh, slowly pulled himself off the ice and left practice. The good news is Jeremy Cowden says he's going to be fine. He's expected to play Thursday, Friday, and beyond, but it was a very scary moment for uh, everybody I'm sure most of all, Patrick Kane, I wanted to share the audio of the interview, but it's so bad today. It's usually pretty bad where it's really low. Like it's, you can't really hear what Jeremy Counton's saying without boosting it up. Uh, today, it sounds like he is uh, underwater and having a, uh, a fan blowing on him. I don't know how that would be possible at the same time, but it sounds terrible. I try to get it prepared to air and I just can't do it. So, uh, you know, not great, but basically what Counton had to say was expects Kane to be fine. He thinks Olimata is going to be fine, and there's no decision truly made yet on Strom and Kajula, but, you know, that's what he always says. Reading the tea leaves, Strom will play tonight. Kajula could play on Friday, so that's good news, and it's right in time. And, you know, as the Hawks have had a couple days off here, I've had some time to talk to a couple people around the league, and... They're starting to feel like what we've seen lately is probably the reality, that this is what the Blackhawks are. And, you know, I I said to somebody I was talking to, you know, the roster 
is way better than it's playing. And the response was, find me a worse defensive unit in the NHL. And if you, I don't know, I kind of disagree with that because Duncan Keith is still decent when he's healthy. Kelvin Nahan is a pretty solid three or four defenseman. Connor Murphy, the same. The problem is they just have too many threes and fours. They've got a whole roster of threes and fours. And some of the guys you were hoping would take a step up defensively, like Eric Gustafson, have not. They've actually regressed. Um, it just, you know, and, and the other thing that, that needs to be considered and le- needs to be talked about is the players we were expecting to grow offensively. Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strom. Dabrinkit we were talking about as a potential 50-goal scorer. And that thought was not ridiculous. It really wasn't. Based on everything we had seen from him in his career so far, he got the new contract. Everyone felt great about that contract, and you still probably should feel pretty good about it. But he's not going to hit 50 goals this year. He might not hit 40 goals this year. Right now, he's got five. He had 28 as a rookie, 41 in his second season. And those shooting percentages for him were high up. Rookie year, 15.5. Second year, 18.6. Those are really high and not sustainable, but you thought with continued growth, with continued development and continued strength development, that you would see a, a jump from Debrinket or at least to break even. Not seeing that at all. And Dylan Strom, yes, he's hurt. And when you look at the numbers, they're not too bad. 17 points in 23 games. That's similar to the pace he was on last season when the Hawks traded for him. But there just has not been that jump. Meanwhile, you've had Jonathan Taves regress. Patrick Kane has been great. The goaltending's been great. But there's not been that new guy to step up. I think we all expected more from Andrew Shaw, right? Coming off a career. Maybe not everybody. I guess I shouldn't say that. I expected more from Andrew Shaw. And I know some other people did. But I know other people are like, what are we doing here? Why are we retreading Andrew Shaw? So it's unfair to say everybody thought so. That's not true. I thought so. Others thought so, that he would come in here and provide the grit they desperately needed, and he's done that. So has Zach Smith, but the scoring hasn't been there for Andrew Shaw. And, and the, the only things you're getting from him are the the bad penalties. Uh, now and again, he'll drop the gloves, which really doesn't add much when you look at the numbers and you look at the history of it, and uh, very little scoring. So a lot of the things we were sort of counting on to be – you know, to sort of justify our hope in this season having come to fruition. There's still a little glimmer in me that believes it's going to happen. Debrinkit's going to snap out of the streak. Dylan Strom's going to get healthy. Jonathan Taves is going to start to get a little more luck with the puck. But we're in December now. It's December 5th. It's not really early in the season anymore. You know, it's it's over a third of the way done. So it, it's, I don't know, something has to give here. And the problem is, what can change? What can the Blackhawks really do to make this team better? That, to me, is the big question. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And yeah, what can you do? What can the Blackhawks do? Can they go to Brent Seabrook again and say, look, we need to rebuild. 
You've got a long-term contract left, and they've got to sweet-talk them. Hey, you know, we feel like you got some good hockey left in you, and we don't want you to be here while we rebuild. You spin it, maybe. I don't think Brent Seabrook's that dumb. I know for a fact he's not that dumb. But they've got to try to find a way to move that contract. But it's unrealistic. Same with Duncan Keith. He's probably got a little more value around the league. But I think, you know, and I don't want to jump the gun here. I really don't. But just sort of gauging the temperature of people who know a hell of a lot more than about hockey than I do, they're not too optimistic. And some of these people are not out of town stupid. Some of them are in the organization. Some of them are around the organization every day. And there's a growing belief that this is just what it's going to be. And yeah, there'll be some of those games where the Hawks can just outscore everybody, where the offense is clicking and looking great because of the offensive talent they have. But the hope is not high from other people. I feel like I have more than a lot of the people I spoke to as far as hope goes. So we'll see. The other the other thing is, well, there's two other things. One, how realistic is it for us to expect the Blackhawks goaltending to remain at the level it's at? I don't know. Cor- you know, Crawford and Leonard have had a bit of a step back lately. It's not their fault, but the numbers haven't been through the roof amazing like they were, you know, earlier in November. They're just not. Now, I don't think they're going to be what they've been lately, where the Hawks have been getting blitzed and the goalies have been getting pulled, etc. But to expect them to be all-star level every night is a bit unrealistic, I think, as well. So, my hope. Here's where I have a little bit of faith that it could happen. Faith that it can come back. If Alex Dabrinkit just gets back to the scoring pace he was on last season... I'm not saying he has to finish the season with 40 goals, but if he can start now contributing at that sort of level, at that sort of output, that's step one. Step two is Dylan Strom has to come back and not be rusty and not really miss a step. He's got to start producing points every single game. That's another challenge. That's not easy. He's averaging .75 points per game. If he can keep that up, that's step two towards a bit of hope step three Kirby Doc has to take another step in his development it's been two months there have been flashes of greatness from Kirby Doc there's also been moments where you've been a little troubled by what you see where he's kind of a non-factor on a lot of nights and I love the kid I like the pick I think he's going to be really good but I would like to see a little more consistency in his game maybe that has to do with him getting more minutes Maybe it has to do with him getting better opportunities, like on the power play. And as the season goes on, and if the Hawks stay sort of floating towards the bottom of the Western Conference, that shift from winning to development is going to have to change. And when it does, the Blackhawks can sort of put the younger players in situations to win. I also think Eric Gustafson will be traded by the deadline, of course. That means Adam Boquist will be here. When he's here, he needs to be on the power play. At this point, does Jeremy Cowton getting fired accomplish anything? It's You gotta ha- have to ask yourself, who's the guy out there that's going to replace him? And Mark Crawford was the obvious answer, but now that's not going to happen because of all the controversy around him. 
Derek King is coaching in Rockford, but doesn't that sort of feel like just another Cowton sort of a thing? Do you want to give Sheldon Brookbank an interim tag? I don't know. There's really not a ton to do. And and while I was on board with Mike Babcock for about 20 minutes after he got fired, everyone I trust around hockey texted me saying, you're off on this one. You're an idiot. <laughs> not in a mean way, but you're an idiot. Mike Babcock is a bad guy. You don't want him around young players. You don't want him around a young team. Uh, so that's sort of out the window too. So I don't know. I really don't know what the Blackhawks can do to right this ship. I think they've, they've just got to hope that the guys they were counting on to contribute begin contributing more and that Doc and then later on Bolquist come in and contribute more frequently. Real quick on Doc, by the way. I was working on my book. I think I told you guys about this before. I'm writing a book about the Blackhawks. My due date's December 20th, so if I sound stressed out, it's because I am. Wrapped up a chapter on Bobby Hull today, and it was just sort of reading a couple books I have on him, trying to get some uh, information, some anecdotes from him and some from some other players, and he was talking about how he knew he was fast, but fast is useless w- without being able to stop and go. He said, if you're able to stop on a dime and change direction, you're golden, but if you have to, if the puck changes direction, you have to circle around, you're going to be behind the play all the time. That's something to look for with Kirby Doc. It's not something you're going to be able to fix in season, but I would suspect there'll be two things the Hawks work on big time with Doc in the offseason, strength and skating. When he gets an NHL body, an NHL strength to that frame, hopefully the, ca- the skating catches up and he could be unstoppable. But it has to happen. I guarantee you when this season ends and we hear about what Kirby Doc is focusing his workouts on, it's going to be strength and skating. It's Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And like we said earlier, it is game day. Hawks, Bruins in Boston where it all went down in 2013. Remember that? Remember 2013? Oh, man. Let's live in that time. That was so great. Dave Boland and Bickle and oh my, what a, t- what a time to be alive, huh? All right, let's go behind enemy lines and take a look at the big bad Boston Bruins. They've played 28 games this season. They are 23-5 and five for 45 points. They are tied for the highest point total in the National Hockey League with the Washington Capitals, but they've played one fewer game, so they went out on winning percentage. They're a plus 36 in goal differential. Looking at the metrics, not as impressive as you would think. 49.96 in Corsi rating, 1,201 shot attempts for 1,203 shot attempts against. I have a feeling that tonight might be the night the Boston Bruins go over 50% on the season in Corsi. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, are 26 in the NHL with a 47.75 Corsi 4 percentage. That's 1,190 shot attempts for 1,302 shot attempts against. We like to talk about high-danger scoring chances. Let's do that. The Boston Bruins rank 22nd in high-danger scoring chances for. They are 204 chances for, 216 against for a 48.57 percentage. The Blackhawks, 233 high-danger chances for, 281 high-danger chances against. Let's take a look at the scoring leaders for the Boston Bruins. By the way, Patrice Bergeron not expected to play 
in the game tonight. So that's a little bit of a break for the Blackhawks. Uh, he's one of the best all-around players in hockey. So leading scorer for the Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand. Why did I say that so weird? Brad Marchand, 18 goals, 26 assists for 44 points in 28 games. And past David Pasternak in 28 games, 25 goals, 18 assists, 43 points. 25 goals in 28 games. That's insane. Bergeron has played 21 games for the Bees this year. He's out, like I said, but he's got eight goals, 16 assists for 24 points. David Krejci, 21 points in 22 games, including six goals. And Tori Krug bringing up the final spot, three goals, 15 assists for 18 points. In goal, the Bruins have took a rask. He is 13-2 and two with a 2.04 goals against and a .933 save percentage. Yaroslav Halak has a 2.14 goals against average and a .934 save percentage. His record is 7-1, and he has three overtime losses. So a really tough challenge for the Blackhawks tonight. It's going to be a – it's hard to say a test because I think we kind of already know where the Blackhawks stand. And uh, it's going to be a tough matchup. And this is the sort of thing that – and I don't want to oversell this, but sometimes when you've had a tough little stretch, getting a win against a good team can get things going in the right direction. Then they've got New Jersey on Friday night. New Jersey's off to a really bad start this year. They've way underperformed what the expectations were for that team. So maybe they can win two in a row and start feeling good about things again. Then it's Arizona. Then it's Vegas. Then it's Arizona again. Opportunities to pick up some points. Definitely. By the way, let's go over the Hawks' leading scorers while we're here. Patrick Kane, 33 points in 27 games. He's got 14 goals. Debrinkit still second in scoring on the team with 19 points, but only five goals. Dylan Strom, 17 points uh, with five goals of his own, but that's in only 23 games. Brandon Saad, 16 points, eight and eight for him in 27. And then Jonathan Taves with 14 points in 27 games. Only four goals for Jonathan Taves so far. So when we look back on what's going wrong and what went wrong on this season, that's some of the stuff you can point to. Jonathan Taves, four goals. Dylan Strom, five goals. Alex Debrinkit, five goals. Not good enough. It's it's just not good enough. Jonathan Taves and David Kampf cannot have the same amount of goals in December. Nope. Can't happen. Not a winning formula. All right. One thing I want to mention before we wrap up today's Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Robin Leonard spoke with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. And I wanted to bring some audio to you. But I listened to the audio on The Athletic website. Uh, and it's 20 minutes long and I was fearful that if I only took a snippet of the audio that I I didn't want to cherry pick it. I didn't want to steer it a certain way. I've been editing sports audio for 20 years. It's part of my job at the score, but with the way Leonard's comments came off early, middle end it would be very easy and very a slippery slope for me to misinterpret what he said. Lazarus asked him about the Mark Crawford situation and the Bill Peters situation, and Leonard went off. He had a lot of things to say about it. And I know that some people are going to hear this and not like what Robin Leonard had to say. I'm not in love with it either. I hear what he's saying, and I see his point. Here's the best way to handle it. I'm going to share the audio 
from the portion of the interview that Mark Lazarus shared on Twitter in in text. So I'm not taking anything that hasn't been out there already, and then I will let you listen to the interview on your own and make your own judgments. What I'm saying is a double standard. And why does these people deserve to get their lives canceled because of public pressure without no, no fair, fair hearing, without being able to tell their side of the story? You understand what I mean? I don't accept... I, I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm saying they weren't educated at the time, and at the time it was the cultural norm on how to do things. It was to say, go back 20 years and see how people raised their kids. Is that accepted, how people raised their kids 20, 30 years ago in today's lenses? We can have a discussion about that. It's the same thing, but it's just now it piles on on these coaches. They're just the next ones. They get to take the, take the next blame and the societal shift. It's not condoning the behavior, but the behavior, listen, it was accepted back then, end of story. And that was, they, they are not evil people. They did not do it to, to destroy people's lives. They didn't understand that they did do that because that's what they were taught. They were shaped by their own experiences. They were treated the same way. And that's what they learned it from. If you're, if you're a racist in society, you know, what do you do? You lock him up for, the, for, for life? And you think that his family is not going to be racist? You think he's not going to be racist? Or do you rehabilitate him or educate him? How about instead of firing all the people, the NHL and everyone put in training programs about mental health to show all the coaches what that type of behavior can have as consequences on mental health. I guarantee you it will stop. So that's kind of Robin Leonard's, it's the gist of what he's saying. And he gets into cancel culture and how it's a bad thing. And I am as liberal as they come. I don't talk politics on this podcast. I, I never will, but I'm just letting you know where my leanings are. And hopefully it doesn't cause you to stop listening to the podcast. Truthfully, if that does, the fact that I'm liberal, then bye. That's fine. Like I, I, I don't talk about politics on the podcast. I'm not going to rant and rave about stuff. I'm not going to say boo about the president, anything on Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm just not. But I do think that one thing that disturbed me about what Leonard was saying was he was sort of comparing what was happening to the coaches to what he went through with his addiction and I think that's different I think that's different alcoholism and mental illness are diseases saying racist stuff and being physically abusive those are not diseases and yeah you know times have changed and that's how those guys were taught but there's a lot of people who are the same age as Mark Crawford and Bill Peters and the list goes on and on and on of people that have done this thing. And it's not just hockey. It's not just sports. It's just life. There are plenty of people their age that were raised the same way that have adjusted. So it's very interesting. And I don't want to steal the thunder of Mark Lazarus. He did all the work. So go listen to this interview on The Athletic. It's on Mark Lazarus's Twitter. I will retweet it from the Locked On Blackhawks podcast account. So you can find it there as well. That's at LO underscore Blackhawks. Give it a read. Give the audio a listen. And if you've not already subscribed, make sure you sign up for the, the Athletic. Absolutely fantastic hockey coverage, sports coverage. The best writers. It's ad-free. Sacrifice a cup of coffee and a donut a month to pay these excellent journalists that go out of their way to bring you good and interesting stories like this Robin Leonard one. Support The Athletic. Support all journalism. But The Athletic especially has done a terrific job. Definitely worth the five bucks a month or whatever it costs to subscribe. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. Friday, we will have a game to talk about and a game to preview. Finally, we can drop the puck. 
two days off feels like a lifetime, especially after a loss. So let's hope the Hawks get two points tonight against the Bruins, and we'll have a big smile on our face for Friday's show heading into the weekend. By the way, Monday's show will be episode 50 of Lockdown Blackhawks. Unbelievable. So thank you so much for the support. Make sure you tell a friend. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate and review. This is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.